thank you, David. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. I wasn't exactly sure what what kind of the, the other presenters, what kind of content they were going to be presenting. Um, but I think what I have for you today uh, falls in, in the line of, of, of what uh, the, the kind of general uh, style of presentations. Um, we do Elliott Wave analysis at ElliottWaveTrader.net. I run the um, Stockwaves service as well as the Metals, Miners, and Agriculture service. Uh, along with Garrett Patton. And we also contribute as our contributing analysts to the broad markets uh, service, as well as some of the other services we chime in and are just part of the overall management team. Uh, we also replicate our uh, stock waves and metals and miners service on the Seeking Alpha marketplace. Uh, so you can find us there. I also um, share some stuff on, on Twitter, at uh, Zach Manis, that's just Z-A-C-M-A-N-N-E-S. Um, so what I have for you guys today is um, kind of a very quick uh, down and dirty run through of the, the absolute basics of Elliott Wave so that we can talk about some other things. Um, I, I wasn't planning because this is geared towards um, technology and, 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 and technical trading, um, wanted to kind of show how we use some of the other tools in conjunction with Elliott Wave, um, but wanted to make sure that everybody has at least a, a very, very basic understanding of the general concept of Elliott Wave, as well as um, the, the improvement upon it that Avi has, has, has brought to the world of Elliott Wave in terms of Fibonacci pinball. Um, all of the stuff that I'm going to talk about here in the first part is available for free at LAWaveTrader.net under our uh, education section. Uh, there's a number of free articles and some webinars and tutorials on what Elliott Wave is and how to use it. Um, so I'm going to kind of work off of there. The, the very, very basics, um, it is a fractal um, system for uh, putting investor sentiment extremes, extremes of fear and greed um, in into a context uh, with some labels and then project that forward. Uh, when, it, when we say fractal, that means that each smaller piece is a bit is, is a similar part of a bigger whole or you can delve down in at smaller and smaller levels and see the exact same patterns unfolding as the different parts of those larger subwaves. Um, so the very basic structure is a five wave move, usually to the upside when we're talking about, you know, five up and three down and a three wave correction. And usually those are, are um, used as a nomenclature is one, two, three, four, five for the move to the upside. And the most general term and most simple correction is an ABC correction to the downside. Now, when you put it together, that same one, two, three, four, five, and ABC down can be the, the subwaves inside of the same one, two of a larger structure. Um, or maybe the one, two, three, four, five is the, the third wave of a larger structure. So um, the, that, that's how we, we look at the, the fractal aspect. And then to see what exactly it fits in, you know, that's where we're, we're zooming out. We're looking for um, a very large degree low as, as a place, as a common starting place and, and comparing it to other charts. Um, and we'll work on building a chart from the ground up um, using uh, the S&P in just a minute. Um, but what I wanted to move on to from just this very, very basic structure, and again, I know this is kind of a very fast 
crash course, but there's a lot of other things that I wanted to get to. And, you know, again, we, we have a lot of other um, articles and webinars that are available for more in-depth introduction to the, the rules of Elliott Wave. I highly recommend the, uh, the Elliott Wave Principle. That's the book by A.J. Frost and Robert Prechter. It is pretty short. Um, and, and some people, you know, it's, it's very much like, you know, sometimes you have to read it two times, but when you get it, it just clicks and you get it. Um, and there's a lot of stuff on there about Fibonacci and, and um, fractals in nature and things like that. So it's not all a, a dense textbook on, on Elliott Wave. So um, good stuff to take a look at. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the Fibonacci pinball. And this is a, a so all of these wave patterns, the, the different parts of the wave are usually related to each other in terms of Fibonacci ratios. And we know that usually the third wave is going to be 1.382 times or 1.618 times uh, the measure of wave one. Um, but sometimes it's hard to differentiate when you, when you have this structure and this structure to know should you be expecting a wave third of wave three, or should you just be expecting a C wave up, a measured move? Um, and so that's where looking at the smaller degrees and the subwaves is going to help give us clues along the way as, as what's unfolding and, and what we should see um, as far as all of those patterns inside that move. So this is where we have a, a Fibonacci measure. Um, we have an initial move up of five waves up to the upside for a wave one and a three wave consolidation as a wave two. Then this blue Fibonacci extension is the measure of wave one extended off of the low that we think we have for wave two. And that's going to give us our target for the wave three of the 1.382 extension um, and then further for the fifth wave. But what I want to focus on is inside this wave, and we're going to look at this in, in, in more detail on some real price charts, is that our wave one inside that wave three is going to first go to the 0.382 extension, then we get a normal wave two retrace. The wave three is then going to go to the 100% extension, and then a normal retrace for the wave four, and then we get that fifth wave of inside the third wave to that 1.382. That is the most common uh, version of Fibonacci pinball and what we see with alarming regularity. Um, so much so that, that when we don't see a clear smaller five waves up and, and three wave pullback to that 0.382 or the 0.50 or maybe sometimes the 0.618, if instead we see a move that heads past it, either to the 7.64 or to the 1.0, then we know, you know, all right, we have a, a strong move. Maybe there's some continuation of the pattern, but you don't have that reliable one-two start to a third wave that you can hang your hat on and, and continue to project forward. It means that you need to start looking for something else to be playing out. Maybe that's a more muted measured move and you're going to turn back down and make a lower low or just something else is going to be playing out. Um, so. I could spend a lot more time talking about fractals and, and Fibonacci pinball um, on education slides, but I'd rather move over to an actual chart and, and kind of start building that up from there and show you some of the other tools that we use in addition to 
just those Fib markers and the Elliott wave labels for getting some confirmation uh, as to what we're seeing and looking to how to use that in a predictive way. Um, so let me switch screens here to a different window. Um, so what I want to do, I, I, I have an SPX chart and I kind of wanted to, you know, it, you guys are going to get some, some, some freebie glimpse analysis of, of where, where we see things um, in, in the S&P as we're, we're kind of doing this exercise. Um, and so I wanted to zoom out and just quickly kind of show, you know, a, a larger degree LA wave count um, off of that 2009 low filled out where you know most of that move looks like it's complete and that's what we're going to start building together um, in a um, starting from a common low that that we think you know in a larger degree count zooming out even further and you could keep zooming out you know if you have the data that goes all the way back to the 1700s to the very beginning of the new york stock exchange um, but for the most part you know for what's applicable to traders you know it doesn't make sense to go that far but i do think that it's important to have um, a really strong context of of where you are at a larger degree um, because it does affect the risk reward so while Elliott wave is fractal and you can zoom into a micro chart and look at the five minutes and trade off of that um you know sometimes things tend to to start gapping in one direction really really fast and it is very helpful to know you know, where things are at a larger degree so that you can understand that risk skew. So I know if I'm trading something to the downside, I know that the broader trend is really up, you know, at, at however many degrees, you know, the, the trend is up. So even if I'm looking, if I have a very clear, small degree setup for a scalp to the downside, I understand that the risk skew that at, at some degrees that that is counter trend to what the market really wants to do. Um, so as I was saying, I think the, the, the best thing to do is to start off of a, a very significant low. Um, and again, when we're talking about context, we could say, well, you know, March 2020 was a pretty significant low. Um, and it is. And for the past you know, year or so, two or three years, we've been looking at most things off of that low because we've been counting that as a, as a pretty significant um, primary degree wave four and have been looking at the wave five unfolding off of that. But if we're going to zoom out even further to get more context, then I think it, it's helpful to start off of that 2009 low. Um, the software that Garrett and I use and some of the other analysts, we, we continually try to get Avi to migrate away from TradeStation to Motive Wave, which is the software that we use, because for people that are tracking, um, that, are, that are using uh, Elliott Wave, um, I think Motive Wave really makes things very, very easy. Um, I don't use the auto counting. Um, I have not found, I don't even know where it is on my, <laughs> in my toolbox here, um, because I found that it, it really, no software, there's, I mean, I, I, I want to be careful in saying that there's so much nuance and subjectivity to Elliott Wave counting, because there are very clearly defined rules, but part of the rules are that things have to have the appropriate look, um, and so there is sometimes a, a subjective judgment call from the analyst that you know computers even with machine learning still are not able to replicate um, in a good way that we would correctly say that that's that's a good count um so 
one of the things that I like to do, I have my, my L8 wave tools, those you can get to them from um, a couple of different places where you go to um, the different uh, tools. So this is under L8 wave. This is the, the regular impulse tool. I have a shortcut to it here on the left. And so we can just draw our initial five wave move starting with, with the big movements here that we see. And I'll, I'll tell you why I'm placing these in different places um, in just a minute. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll start with, uh, get rid of that cycle degree wave one. We'll start with this for right now. This really looks like a five wave move to me. Um, one, two, three, four, five off of the 2009 low. And we're gonna, you know, you'll see that on that other chart, I had a, a little green fifth wave floating up there that allows for a higher high. And we'll take a look at that potential from right now. But um, at, at, at the end of the day, I think it's important to see from that broader context that we can see five waves moves here, five a five wave move. Um, but before we we look at the the rest of that move, let's just start with what we have off of the the low, and we'll pretend that this is back in you know sometime circa 2010. July 2010, and we'll say that we can count a impulsive looking move that whether you count a little one, two here, or a bigger one, two, and then a smaller three, four, five up, we can count this as a five wave move off of the low. So we can draw a Fibonacci. Um, first, let's start with a retrace tool. So this is just a Fibonacci retrace tool that we have measuring from the start of that five wave move to the top of the five wave move and go to our retrace purple. And we can see that we have a, a pullback here that did not hit any of our ideal Fibonacci retrace zone. We know that one of the guidelines for um, Elliott wave usually is that the, the ratio of a wave two is gonna be somewhere between a 38.2% retrace to a 50% retrace to a 61.8% retrace of wave one. So that's our ideal target zone. Um, that's you know the Goldilocks target, but we don't always get that. So at the time, we were probably looking at this being just the A wave and we're wanting to see maybe a wider flat play out. So maybe an ABC move to the upside, oops, there we go, an ABC for a B wave to the upside. And then ideally we would want to have started to see some weakness um, after looking for this move higher from that initial drop, looking to see some weakness in the start of a move down. Um, when that got further extension and made a new high, then we would probably say that, that the probability, while that could have been an alt extension, we probably would have switched this at the time to looking for that as a, a wider flat as, as a potential risk, but looking more for any consolidation to be a spot to add on. Um, so this is where, again, you know, we're looking at the broader context and we're saying, okay, we think that this is a bit the start of a bigger cycle degree move to the upside. We have a five wave move. We have an initial retrace. Ideally, we'd like to see more of that retrace, but we don't always get the ideal. So then we say, okay, if that is all of the consolidation, then we're looking for the Fibonacci pinball from there to give us confirmation that this was all of the wave two, and it's the, the primary degree wave three starting. So that's where we draw our Fibonacci extension tool. 
And it, again, it's the measure of wave one. So the start to the top and then projected off of the potential low for that wave two. And again, here where we're looking at the risk when we start to evaluate from here, the, the, the Fibonacci targets for which at the time would have been here would be the, the ideal target, um, 1382 to 1618. Um, we actually got more extension than that. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. But when we're evaluating for risk reward purposes, you know, we're saying, okay, it, at this degree, we could still end up getting more of a flat consolidation for wave two, but that's going to still hold at the time, you know, the, the 960s, 970 would be the ideal support. So we're still, the, the projection for this larger degree wave third, wave three is not gonna be much different whether this is the wave two or whether the wave two gets moved over to here. Um, so, at that larger degree, we can start to make those calculations. And then we're looking for confirmation at a smaller degree. And again, it's fractals. So you can continue to zoom in at each and every level. So now we know that, that based on the Fibonacci pinball that we looked at before, we wanna see a five wave up move to either the 0.382, the 0.50, or maybe the, the 0.618. And when we look closely, we have what was initially only three waves up, then got higher than it should have for the B wave, then held a consolidation and pushed even higher, and then got another consolidation and a little bit higher than that. So that can be five waves up right to that 0.50 extension. And we can call that the intermediate degree wave one, add that here with this out. Um, the intermediate degree wave one, that's at parentheses inside that circle wave two. So that's a one, two right there. And then we can say, okay, Fibonacci pinball is going to say we should head to about here for the three and then here for the four. And then our fifth wave of the, the circle wave three. At the time, this is what we'd be projecting. We'd be looking for a normal retrace, maybe to about right here. And then the 100% extension, a pullback, and then up to the 1382. So this is what we would have been looking at at the time back there in in, in um, early or mid uh, summer of 2011, um, looking for an ABC retrace after this five wave up move to the 0.50. We did get a three wave drop and then we got a little bit extra into that November low, but we still managed to hold a higher low, even though it was under the ideal Fibonacci retrace. Um, but probably some of those first attempts, um, you know, this, you know, off of this low here. Um, some of those first attempts might have gotten stopped out unless you were being, um, if, you were, if you were looking for a smaller degree start to the move there. Um, then we got a little bit of a, a, a nested start. This was not the cleanest five wave up structure. It looks more in hindsight, looks more as a one, two, one, two, maybe even a one, two, but we can count this whole thing as, as a larger wave. Um, but then as we continue to progress in this move, we ended up getting further extension past the 100% extension, um, continued up and then held another fourth and a fifth wave into here before we got what looks like a, an ABC consolidation for our fourth wave. Then from there, since we already got to the one, two, three, six extension for the parentheses wave three. Then after we filled out this wave four, we knew that our fifth wave, our parentheses wave five of that circle wave three was gonna be targeting at least this region. 
And so then when we got this initial move off of the um, February 2016 lows um, into, I think this is the Brexit. Um, we were looking for a drop on the Brexit news. Um, we were counting that as a one-two start, um, just the one-two start to a much more extended fifth wave. Um, another tool that I like to use in Motive Wave is the decompose. Again, I said I don't like to use um, the uh, the auto counting feature because I think it's often wrong. But once you have um, one degree of a label there, then you can click on that line and you can go to decompose and you can say, all right, decompose that as an import. Um, again, it doesn't always put things where we would put them. So we're gonna move this one, two over to here. And then again, we can say, all right, this, we know where this would be targeting. Forget where, forget about where it's putting these labels for right now. We're not concerned about that. I'm gonna zoom in just a little bit more so that we can focus on this part of the move um, is we're gonna decompose again and say, we're looking at this as a one, two start off of that Brexit low um, for more of the fifth wave um, inside the third. And so again, you're, you're just going down to that fractal level um, and using the Fibonacci pinball and saying, all right, here's the measure of the move that we expect for wave five. Um, we know based on the other, the larger degrees where it's gonna target. And then inside that move, we know the approximate ratios of where those different subwaves should target. Um, and that's when we also start to look at those different clues as well. You know, we're gonna, I have here on the bottom of my charts, um, I have MACD, RSI, and um, a version of, of stochastics. Um, I like to look at those at different timeframes to get to, to see where they're hitting some extremes and how that's lining up uh, with the Elliott wave count. Um, you know, if, uh, if we're seeing some, some positive divergence as we're expecting an ABC move to bottom, then even though we want to see confirmation at a smaller degree um, before, you know, fully committing to a move, you know, we can say, all right, we have a, a measured move for a C wave that's nearing completion, and we're starting to see some signs of divergence in the MACD, for example. Um, a couple of other tools that you'll see on a lot of the charts that I post um, before we get into to going to the rest of that pattern there is one of the things that I like to use is Fibonacci fans. Um, these help provide an element of, of timing and of just momentum um, for, um, for different than just a regular uh, channel for, um, the, uh, for price to follow. Um, so, you know, Elliott Wave does work, you know, a lot of times likes trend lines, you can draw, you know, trend channels and see, you know, something, all of the, the higher lows and all of the higher highs are, are kind of fitting within a channel and you can use that for a period of time. But I think the, the very, the, the really nice thing is that all of those different tools that we can have in our toolbox, um, the understanding the Elliott wave and being able to provide some labels there with a broader context helps you say, okay, this looks like it might be a, an inverse head and shoulders or, you know, whatever it is that, that, that might be filling out. Um, but it gives you the context is that this inverse head and shoulders here, um, is that a reliable bottom for all of the primary wave two, or at the time, can we trade this as an inverse head and shoulders for a swing to the upside, but say at this point, our bias needs to be that whatever upside move we get is, is going to run into resistance around here because the normal pattern, the most reliable thing that we look for, you know, and again, we're assessing things based on probabilities, 
would be for this to be part of a wider consolidation for that big circle wave two. So we can trade based on that inverse head and shoulders pattern. We have a move off of a low and a corrective retrace into some support. So we can at least look for that measured move, but knowing that, that, that it might not last and head be the breakout move at the time until it gives us more data from there. So we can we can trade for that swing and then maybe we we trim out and, and exit some of that and, and hedge for some potential start to uh, a weakness, or we can just continue to raise our stops as long as, as that's a winning horse. You know, those we're a lot of time, there are some of the services that we offer at LAWaveTrader.net that are giving that are giving you some specific trade ideas. But for the most part, we are looking at analysis and assessing risk reward for those different scenarios. Um, we're going to have a bias in trying to use Elliott Wave for predictive measures, um, but we're in, in might talk about some of our own personal trades. But for the most part, um, we are looking at it as a, a form of, of analysis that we provide um, to you guys. Um, so filling in the rest of this, um, after getting further extension, you know, none of these consolidations were, were, you know, breaking any kind of support along the way. So we could continue to, to call this just the third inside the third inside that parentheses wave five of the larger third. And here's where we get to something that's a little bit complicated. Um, this is not your standard, uh, ABC retrace. Um, we have an initial ABC down. Um, and then a move that started that's very similar to what we saw um, back in 2011, where what should have stopped, you know, somewhere in resistance here is just a B wave bounce and then headed lower for that circle wave four, continued to march on higher and then held a pretty high retrace and then continued to march on higher. So at the time, we had to start to consider the potential that this might have been all of the wave four. Um, it did get to um, one of the FIP Elliott Wave guideline um, region, initial region, as far as a minimal amount of retrace, but it really did not even look, um, you know, this primary degree wave four is a larger degree magnitude correction than this intermediate degree wave four in parentheses four inside that primary wave three. So this rubbed me the wrong way as being counted as all of the move, but because we didn't turn down um, after the bounce that we expected and continue to start higher, then we had to look at, at other things playing out. Um, and that's where, you know, Garrett and I are going to start diving through a lot of the different sectors in stock waves and in individual stocks and trying to see, all right, where, where's the strength coming from? What can continue to show strength? And what are the things that we need to be on the lookout for weakness? And one of the things that we saw that was very, very weak um, as we continue to tick higher in the market overall into um, December and January, uh, December 2019 and January 2020, we were really concerned about the um, financial sector um, and a lot of the, the XLF names that we saw very clearly looked like this was still a corrective B wave, even though it was exhibiting some characteristics of the start of a bullish Fibonacci pinball move. Um, so we were um, you know, showing very clearly where support would start to break or would need to hold to maintain any more aggressively bullish structure as the start of that fifth wave off of this low, um, but also showing where the, the major risk was 
for things that very clearly counted as though this was a B wave high. Um, and then once we got initial gap down and then there wasn't any kind of relief rally and it continued to break some higher levels of support and then it went on to accelerate. So um, that was 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 how we were very well positioned for the, the COVID drop. Um, but after that, it filled out right to the support region that we expected to hold as that wider expanded flat for the primary degree wave four, which had us very, very bullish from those March lows. Um, and particularly when we held a higher low at the beginning of April um, off of the COVID lows, looking for big swings to the upside. And that's what I want to zoom in on now and build out the subwaves inside that primary wave five, which very possibly topped. And we'll kind of take a look at um, what we were looking at going into the beginning of 2022 um, and then how things filled out from there. Um, so again, we we're very, very bullish off of the low, wanted to see what looked like five waves up um, and then more of a retrace. Um, we got an initial what could count as five waves up into June. And so from there, you know, we we're going to call that our wave one. And I'm going to do that as the impulse again. So we have our um, one, two, three, four and five waves up here. Um, one degree larger, and that looked like it should be have been wave one at an intermediate degree, and the ideal retrace would have been somewhere around there, and then we can look for um, our Fibonacci pinball there we go, at that degree. So this is what the ideal structure would have been inside that move, um, but we did not get, um, again, very similar to what we talked about before, we got a sharp initial drop, which in an ideal world would have been just the A wave of more of a normal size retrace and would have been looking for um, a B wave bounce. And then the second half of that con corrective consolidation into the more normal Fibonacci support zone. And this is another tool that Motive Wave has that I like to use a lot. Um, you'll notice that, you know, I know that, that you probably see a lot of uh, LA Wave an analyst charts that have tons of these bigger colored Fib, uh, uh, extensions and retracements drawn all over the chart, I, I find that that gets very, very confusing to try and isolate what, what the Fibonacci um, tool is trying to measure. So I do a lot of things with color coding um, and with um, I, I try and, and keep things as simple as possible. Um, so I use this localized Fibonacci tool where it says two versus one, that is the retracement of this wave two relative to the measure of wave one um, off of this um, March low here. So it snaps it in place at the highs and then automatically recalculates that. Um, you know, if you move your wave one to a different top, then it recalculates what those FIBs are going to be. So our ideal retracement level, you know, at least the top of that ideal zone, we mentioned the 38.2% retrace the 50% retrace and the 618 retrace as that Goldilocks ideal zone. Um, so again, with our the prudent approach would have been to assume that you could bounce higher in the B wave, but that you were gonna run into resistance here. When you held a little bit and then continued to start to march higher, that's where we had to say, all right, well, maybe this wider flat for a, an ABC is now an alternate and we can start to consider that even though this is only a 23.6% retrace, and at the beginning, 
as an initial drop, it's not reliable as all of that wave two, we can start to project what that would look like off of that low. So from there, our uh, localized FIB tool would say that we'd wanna see a, a third wave ideally come up to the 550-75 region, hold as a wave for retrace, and then get a fifth wave up um, beyond that, maybe close to the 6,000 region. So in the most aggressive count, if this was all of the wave two, this is what we were looking for. And I made a tab um, you can see these tabs at the top of my chart. I named them different things. That's what I started calling the Uber accelerated bullish count, where um, started to consider that this was going to fill out. And again, we, we have a, me a measure for a wave one. We have a Fibonacci extension projected off of the wave two. And so we can draw, we can pull our fibs down and we can say, we know that that wave one inside the parentheses wave three should target somewhere in between this 382 to 0.50 region, which we can see that this move up here came exactly to that 50 level. And so that's what we were looking for as a wave one. We wanted to see a retrace as wave two, and then the rest of three, four, and five play out in that more accelerated bullish path. And so we got the first part of that. Then we got what didn't look like five waves up off of that low, even though we had enough to count for all of it. So we easily say, all right, this could be all of the wave two, but we don't have a clear impulsive start. We don't have that five up look that we want to see. So while ideally this was all that we got for wave two, you know, we might say something like, you know, this could be a, a smaller B wave and it tries to fill out as a wider version of that same wave two. So because it came nearly up to this, the higher high, it shouldn't get much deeper than what we already got here, but could retest that region again. Um, we didn't actually make a lower low, so that's up for debate whether you're going to count this as not quite five waves up for the next smaller degree wave one or just count this as a wider flat. Um, that's, again, where you get into some of that nuanced difference um, between analysts of, of what might be subjectively looking a little bit better to the next um, and so forth. So from there, we continue to march higher, never breaking any kind of support at, at any larger degree and continue to um, fill out those subwaves. Uh, I personally think this is where the wave two looks better um, as a running flat and that this is the even smaller degree, wave one and wave two. Um, at the time, this looked good for all of a wave three. Um, into the 100% FIB extension right around here. Um, but we didn't get very much for this wave four. So because we didn't get very much for that wave four, we could look for more extension of this wave three and then maybe count this as the wave four and then looking for a little bit more extension as wave five. And then again, I'm going to put this here as this is the more aggressively bullish version. So we'll make that in blue. So by this point, we hit... Um, a, a one, two, three, six extension. So even though we could count enough subwaves, it really looked better at the time as though this was still just the minor degree wave three. I'm going to move this um, big circle wave five further out of the way over here. Um, it looked like this was just the minor degree wave three and that because we were all the way up to the next fib here, the one, two, 3.6% extension, that it should push 
the fifth wave of that parentheses wave three up to the next fib, that 1618 fib, provided we hold support for a wave four. So into so we were bearish um, uh, looking for a consolidation as wave four into the beginning of the year. Um, actually, I was really starting to get more bearish here back in November and was noting a lot of divergence, even though the market was making a nominal higher high over those November highs. A lot of things, one of them being um, financials and, and or the NASDAQ in particular, um, was making a lower high at this point um, as what looked like a corrective bounce off of this high. Um, so that was where we were able to be very concerned for at least some degree consolidation bigger than any of the consolidations we had had since um, earlier um, in 2021, certainly um, at the beginning of the year. So we did get enough of a drop to easily count as all of um, this wave four. Didn't quite fill out the ideal pattern as far as, as five waves down in a C wave though. Um, so while we were looking for um, a, at least a bounce, you know, we could give this the benefit of the doubt because it looked pretty impulsive off of there that this was the start to the fifth wave. So if that's the start to the fifth wave, we would want to see five waves up and then a corrective retrace. We didn't quite get much in the way of any kind of fourth wave to get five waves up. So we could start to look for some other alternate patterns where maybe the wave, the, the sub waves are all ABC moves. Uh, it's called a diagonal. Again, I'm not gonna get into to so much of the nitty gritty, um, but once we started to break initial support for what could have been a fourth wave, or even the start of a wave two in a corrective retrace from this move up into March that we were expecting um, that nice swing off of support here. Um, this point, particularly this drop at the beginning in mid-April was where this looked like a decent start to a bullish swing, um, but this was where um, things started to break down and we started to look for alternative levels of support. And if those weren't going to hold, it was likely that we were going to continue to head lower. Um, so once we broke um, under, you know, we have some guidelines for where a normal fourth wave should hold at a given degree. And once we extended below that kind of normal reliable support region, it started to get more probable that at least this was, um, we, we needed to move these things back a little bit. And even though this only got to a one, two, three point six percent extension, this could still be pretty uber bullish and head to a higher high, but that we were looking at this as a larger degree, um, as the larger degree um, intermediate degree wave four. Um, after it filled out the larger A, B, and C wave drop down with one, two, three, four, five waves down and a C wave with the extension that it got into the June low under, under May um, and could restart a bullish count from there, still heading to one more higher high. Um, we got a pretty nice move off of that low. There were a lot of wave setups that Garrett and I posted um, in stock waves at the time. Um, that, that that headed up very nicely. And again, we didn't quite get a full, we didn't get five wave, a clear five waves up. We only got three waves so far and wanted to see that hold as a fourth and then get a higher high. Um, it pulled back is what we would like to see for a fourth wave. But then when it started that move up and then broke support, we said, okay, this maybe this is only an ABC wave up. 
Um, and at the time, we were not looking for this to be so bearish in terms of um, a big measured move to the downside at a larger degree, um, but we could at least see more of a retrace as um, a, a bigger corrective retrace into support. And we got that and held, I think this is right about a 618 retrace, and then got another really nice strong move off the low. Um, but when we were looking for that to start to consolidate and hold a higher low, it gapped down and then went on to start to break support. And once it broke under that, we had to look for more extension to the downside. And so at the time, that's when we started to, to look for some good short opportunities, some additional short opportunities of things that if the market were really going to start to fall apart, um, could benefit from more of a downside move. Um, we did go on and make um, a at first a nominal lower low and then a spike in, eight, in October as a more actual lower low under what reliably counted as wave four. Now, in terms of, of ways of counting this fifth wave, at this point, I think moving over the, the fourth wave over here is, is such a, it relies on, on so many, um, you know, kind of alternate ways of counting from, from what the normal structure is. Um, it's so big in magnitude to the wave two, and it is so easy to come up with a more completed count by just scooching everything over and having it complete um, smaller fourth waves that were not reliable to count as that larger degree fourth at the time, um, but into a more significant top with five waves down off of that high. So that's where we find ourselves um, right now with what looks more like the top in place, still the potential that maybe this was a fourth wave and we're going to try and eke out a nominal higher high. Uh, Garrett, a couple of weeks ago, Garrett and I put out a list of some large cap names that make a better argument for actually succeeding in getting higher highs over that November to, to January period uh, about a year ago. Um, but not a lot of those are not the, the strongest charts in terms of percentage gains or even the strongest charts in terms of um, clear wave setups that we see. Um, a lot of the things that, that look stronger are set up more for at least just this C-wave swing move, a measured move off of um, the recent uh, December low as a C-wave in what is most likely to be part of a corrective bounce. Now, the NYSE, um, the NYA, uh, as well as like the, the RSP is something I like to track that's an equal weight version of the S&P. Some of those do more readily allow for actually reaching a higher high, but that's not the higher probability part of the move. I, I think when we focus on risk skew, it's important to look at this in terms of you know, at a much larger degree, we have a very, very big five-wave move up that completed off of 2009. That itself can be a larger fifth wave um, of completing an even larger super cycle degree wave three that might go all the way back to the 1930s low, um, at which was the corresponding super cycle degree wave two. So we have a lot of reason to be far more cautious in terms of upside expectations here, um, while still being able to assess things on a fractal basis and zoom in and say, okay, well, from right here, off of the December low, we have a really strong looking setup for a swing move higher, even if that is um, part of a cor bigger corrective bounce that is then going to turn significantly bearish 
probably right around the time most people start to become more bullish, you know, than than they are now. Um, particularly if we get all the way up towards the 4400 region, at that point there's going to be a lot of people clamoring for continuation of the strength to new all-time highs, which it it might actually do, but I just don't think that that's the reliable portion of the swing. Um, before I jump in and and or jump over and, and take some questions. Um, I wanted to go over a couple of other tools that that I use um, that I think are really fun. I, I'm not here to give you guys tutorials on how to use MACD and RSI and, and stochastics. That's certainly not my area of expertise. Um, I know enough to look for, you know, some some gaining strength or, you know, divergences or, you know, hitting extremes. Uh, there's another tool that I built using um, using the Motive Wave software. Um, you can build some of your own instruments and, uh, and indicators. And one of those I call the um, CAB PCR. Uh, CAB stands for uh, Cow A Bunga. When I first started at Elliott Wave Trader, um, I was working for a firm that had uh, rather strict compliance. So I could use my name and I posted anonymously as Cowabunga. Um, like Bart Simpson surfing the Ninja Turtles surfing the, the Elliott waves. Um, so this is a version of a put call ratio. Um, I know a lot of people gripe about put call ratios that there's a lot of signal noise. My version that I built here um, just is not something that I use at you know a, a, a granular level. Um, it is based primarily on a relative dollar value. So not actual numbers of calls relative to puts. Um, and it is it, more of a dollar value. And I just look for it to hit certain levels of extremes. So the, the, the purple here is the, the signal line for that. Um, a 2.0 level is the first extreme level um, that I gave it of where puts are greatly um, valued relative to calls in an extreme. And then into the three plus region is even more extreme that is often very significant um, for potential bottom forming. And at least a lot of times you're going to get a pretty significant bounce off of something like that. And then the, the 0.4, maybe even lower region is where I start to look for things starting to get frothy. Um, where calls that are are at a more extreme valuation compared to puts, and that we can start to see some kiss. So um, it, you know, again, I find this is a tool that I find much more useful for um, looking for extreme bottoming signals in for the market when it hits the high region. Uh, but sometimes the hitting this lower level can can be some near term frothiness as well. Um, which we certainly saw a little bit of a, a retrace here when we topped in what looked the A wave after um, a three wave move up with consolidation and then a five wave move higher to a measured move for that A wave and just the A wave of this larger bounce. Um, then we got a nice corrective consolidation into our ideal Goldilocks fib zone and are now set to start the, uh, the C wave in that swing. Uh, for trading platform, uh, I just saw a question here while I was looking uh, at another screen. Um, I use uh, interactive brokers for futures uh, trading um, and to get access to stuff on the Canadian and um, maybe Australian markets a little bit uh, for our metals and mining service. Uh, but I also uh, use Schwab for most of my retirement accounts because that makes it a lot. Um, 
So I don't have trading integrated to my analysis charts. Um, I, I certainly will zoom into smaller timeframes and, and, but I'll also look at like the, the, the three minute and five minute charts. If I'm trading ES futures or ES minis, um, I like to do smaller groups of the ES minis so I can layer in, you know, three of those at a time and five and rather than, um, having to, to just be, you know, one or two full ES contracts. Um, and, and these are either all in or all off. Um, this kind of allows for um, layering, which is what we like to do with, with a lot of our stock positions as well, because you're, you're looking at these from different magnitude degree moves. So we're saying, all right, we have a couple of regions of support, so we can get to the first region and we can buy our first tranche. We can get to the next region of support that allows for a little bit deeper and buy another tranche. And we can have our stop set based on risk reward for the move that we expect somewhere below that. And then we can look for that smaller degree, five waves up, two in, in a corrective consolidation as, as a wave one and a wave two to start to look for that support to add you know a third and maybe even a, a breakout tranche beyond that once it, it starts to break out in the heart of that move that's expected. Um, okay, the other thing that I wanted to look at, I'm gonna actually switch over to uh, the ES chart, um, and that is the um, parabolic um, support and resistance line. Uh, as well as the, um, it's Ichimochu clouds. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, another just great tools that I like to use that, uh, you know, all of this can integrate really well. Oh, I guess I should probably, um, before I talk about that, I should talk about the moving averages and other things that I have on my chart. Um, so we'll go back over, it doesn't have all that noise there. Um, so I have this red line, this is the daily or if I'm on a time frame that's above a daily, then it's going to match whatever that larger time frame is. But at all daily and below, this red line is always going to be the 200-day moving average. The green one is going to be the 100-day moving average. The blue one is going to be the 50-day moving average. I also usually keep the Bollinger Bands, you know, kind of in a in a shadowy gray on there because I keep an eye on those again looking for those extremes when it lines up you know when we have an abc consolidation into fib support and we're also hitting the lower bollinger band and start to turn up off of there you know that's that's an excellent excellent signal um now going on to the parabolic sar that's these little blue dots um it's just a great additional tool to look for flips and momentum and you can use it in lots of different time frames i find it's a tool that's much better um, at a little bit larger degree. It's not something that I use on like a 15 minute or a five minute chart. Um, but again, you know, as long as you're you're holding, you know, so and it's it's remarkable as well how some of these other tools tend to line up very well with the Fibonacci expectations for a retrace or where resistance would be um, based on the Elliott wave. And it so it just additionally helps to um, to, to give you some more tools to look for confirmation. And so, you know, we can say, okay, we, we just flipped over the, the dots um, at, you know, whatever degree, um, trying to see, okay, here. Um, if we get, oh, we're, we're already bullish on that. Um, flipped over, okay, all of these have flipped. So um, we're, we're bullish on a lot of different timeframes <laughs> as far as the, the, the blue dots are concerned. Um, but that would change the daily, 
would lose that bottom dot as far as the support dots um, on a break of 39.12 at this point. And that fits with, you know, we're counting at the subwaves inside that C wave to the upside that we're looking for, targeting the 4400s. You know, we have this five wave move off the low and what looks good as all of a wave two and a strong turn up off of that. So a break under that level would at least be a wider and maybe deeper version of this circle wave two and could be the very first indicator that maybe this wasn't actually five waves up. Maybe this was an alternate of a circle B wave and this was the A and we're gonna get a wider flat for the B into the, 30, the lower 3700s and then retry for the C wave up or maybe even you know, something that, that doesn't look very reliable from the price action that we're seeing here and in so many other things, but that there are ways of counting this as a more bearish top. So if those first smaller degree levels of support might start to show signs of weakness, then you can start saying, okay, what else could this be if it's not going to hold the fractal pattern at the smaller degree for what we expect based on that Fibonacci? Um, the green and the red clouds here are just that's that the Ichimochu cloud. Again, it's a really good tool, I think, for um, different types of um, support and resistance. And again, I think we might be able to get through that cloud pretty soon. We're starting to enter it. Um, maybe poke over it, pull back to support. And then that might start to really look, you know, particularly for people that might only be looking at the clouds on like a weekly time frame as their signal of, of what's a real bullish move, they might view a breakout past the cloud, a retest, and then a strong turn up as the signal that we're off to the races to new all-time highs, where the Elliott wave context is going to say, hold on, not so fast. This looks like we have five waves up into a pretty high confluence of Fibonacci resistance that we need to look for that to be, you know, to we need to be on the lookout for signs of weakness. We need to start protecting our gains and tightening up our stops and saying, all right, where's the first indication lines of where the very first levels of support will break where we can say this could start be the start of some more bearish or is it going to hold and and start to to move higher um one other thing that i wanted to jump to in terms of of other tools that i use um at um different time frames oh i thought oh okay so on um, on this tab that I call nano counts, um, I have, it, this is a, a tool that I borrowed from Carolyn Borden, who's a contributor uh, on uh, an analyst for LAWavetrader.net and has a service there. Um, this is an eight and a 34 period moving average cross. Um, and so that changes, it's, it's whatever period the chart is on. So right now it's a 15 minute chart. So all these green and red triangles are points where the um, the the eight period has crossed over above the blue line, which is the 34 period of the that moving average. Um, so it's a, I think it's an EMA. Um, so then when you zoom out a little bit further, then you get fewer of those um, crossover points at a larger time frame. But it's just another signal to use in conjunction with the context for Elliott Wave of saying, okay, that that looks like it has the potential to get some legs and being a very um, another tool that I use. And some of these I I you know I I keep them on separate tabs. Um, sometimes I have the count replicated on the smaller tab. Um, and sometimes I don't, 
Um, but again, I, I try to keep, you know, when I'm looking at something, I, I don't want to look at too many different things at once. I like to consult with lots of different tools, but I don't want to crowd my chart with, with too much data that I'm getting um, information overload. So this is what I use for the, the smallest timeframe charts, even though I have that nano counts tab, I don't use that as much, um, use the micro counts. Um, so that's the entire wave count at all of the degrees replicated onto this tab, but I'm zoomed into much smaller timeframes looking at all of the subwaves at the smaller degrees. And on this one, in addition to the other indicators that we've talked about, I keep the, the VWAP on here because this is what I'm, I'm usually, um, I'm day trading um, ES uh, in addition to managing my portfolio based off of um, you know the, this, this timeframe chart or even dropping down to one minute um, and looking there. Um, and so that is, is a good indication for um, support resistance as well, um, particularly when, when you test it and leave it behind um, to get those bullish trend days. Um, even if it says a reversal off of a, a lower low, I joked on Twitter earlier that um, for those of you driving home, you know, the, the S&P <laughs> was, was largely unchanged today. But those of us who are in the trenches, you know, know that we got you know, this move down into our 618 retrace, the rest of the move down that we were expecting from the highs yesterday um, for the rest of that wave too, and then had a nice strong reversal off of that low at this smaller degree. Um, I think that is pretty much everything that I wanted to talk about. So we'll um, have, I left you guys a few minutes for some questions. We also try to just have fun with it too. Um, Garrett and I, all, well, maybe more so me, I'll make a lot of movie and music references. Um, in our, uh, in our service stock waves, we also have a tool that allows people to make requests um, in a very robust uh, database of analysis um, that's constantly being updated. So you can search by ticker and see uh, some of those uh, very up-to-date charts. So David, it doesn't look like there are any questions yet, um, but unless you have something for me.